Gabi Martinelli He comes from São Paulo and he plays for the Arsenal. Good morning and welcome to the Central Line. Just let you all know that Tottenham are shit. Tottenham Hotspur are shit. Now if you come on down to Harvey, you can see Thierry Henry. He is the best player you will ever see. Hello and welcome to From Dial Square to Where on another, yet another, I'm really very, very uh, happy to say this again, joyous occasion uh, where we sit five points clear at the top of the league. I'm getting used to this, boys. I really am. I mean, it's been very, very un, uh, unusual, but I'm really enjoying this week. And I'm I've been saying it for so long, but I'm actually really gutted that this season has sort of been temporarily ended because of the way things are going. I would much rather be carrying on watching Arsenal over the next six weeks than the World Cup. But uh, it is what it is, as people say. It is what it is. So those listening to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, thank you ever so much. And I just want to say today I'm joined by Kunjan once again. How are you, mate? Good, buddy. Good to see you, and and um, always a pleasure being here. Uh, we will touch on that uh, discussion of you would rather uh, continue the season because I have a difference of opinion, but we'll get to that later. Fantastic. That's good. Good. Another good talking point. And uh, we're also joined by Georgie Boy. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Um, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. It's been a been a few weeks, so it's great to have you back on board, mate. I'm agreeing with you, though. I know. Well, you know, we'll come on to it in a bit. Uh, we'll sort of go fully into it now. But I'm, I am a bit conflicted. Well, very, very conflicted, actually, about the World Cup. But uh, we'll get on to it in a bit. But obviously, we had another incredible result. Um, really good away performance. Even though we've got gonorrhea, we're still good enough to beat all the other teams in the league. <laughs> so, yeah, as it turns out, you know, a poor, not poor, but slightly, slightly below par first half could be sort of explained away by the fact that most of our team were on the bog minutes before the kickoff. So, um, <laughs> Kunjan, I mean, Another great away win, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, we stepped it up for you know another gear or so in the second half. I still think we probably yeah. had another two or three gears we could have gone into if we really wanted to. Sure. But first team started again. Obviously, Mikel Arteta's first choice, um, and it was a great performance. I thought. What are your What are your thoughts? Yeah, in fact, I think maybe the score doesn't do us justice because again, just like the Chelsea game. Um, just like just like uh, the Wolves game, like I think the scoreline should have been a little more uh, handsome, if I can use the word. Like, it, it, but but again, I think the one beautiful aspect of what Arsenal are doing, and this is what I've discussed with you last season. I used to always tell you this: that we need to start winning both our halves. And when we're not winning one of the half, it's as if. We step up a gear in the next half and say, you know what, we're going to go for it in this half. And when we go for it, man, we're going for it. Like we're stretching the opposition, we're keeping possession of the ball. And if it wasn't for, um, I don't know, a bad batch of lasagna from down the road, 
I guess we'd have had maybe more goals past Wolves. Um, I, I'm just assuming there's the same chef who cooks up the lasagna for them lot, you know, that we had for this yeah. game. But um, it's just, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like the camaraderie, the chemistry, the tactics, because you can see, like, even when we're not playing well, you can actually see the tactics come into play. If you remember last season, um, when tactically we didn't do what Arteta was asking, Arteta would call them out at the end of the at, at the end of the game on the press conference. He's like, the 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 boys didn't do as I said, and we got punished for it. I think even Jaka in many of the press conferences would address that by saying, "We didn't listen to the manager, and this is what we get for it." Now it's more like we have to listen to him. When we switch off, when we're not giving our best, when our tempo is not up there, when the energy is not up there, they're seeing what he must have said. And look, guys, if we do not switch up again in the first 10, 15 minutes, these are going to come at us. And I think the team is starting to see that with every game that progresses. That you know what? The man knows what he's talking about. Let's step it up. And wherever they're falling short, like even against Southampton, I genuinely felt we were going to score a, a goal at the at the dying minutes. It didn't happen, but that urgency was there. It was not our best performance, but the urgency was there, and that was what was missing last season. And to see that this season is, oh, it's it's great. I think every Arsenal fan believes uh, for this season. Um, no one is a hundred percent in, but just watching. The football, watching the camaraderie, watching the results—it's just can't ask for more now, can we? It was—it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And George, obviously, with the uh, loss that Manchester City had against uh, Brentford, you know, I actually had a, a real good feeling about that in the morning. It was really, really strange. I had a sort of premonition that that they were going to lose to Brentford. And I wish I put a bet on it, actually, because obviously it came true. But uh, last over the last few seasons, we've had so, so many situations where the results have really gone for us in a top four race, you know, with the teams above us losing. And we failed to capitalise on it. But we just don't do that anymore. We Obviously, this season is a, we're a different, different cat of fish, aren't we? So... Were you confident going into the game after the Man City result? Because it obviously would have put some little bit of pressure into their minds, maybe, that we we could be seriously, you know, capitalising here. We can go five points clear. So it wasn't, for me anyway, I was, I was, it put a little bit more concern into the, the upcoming game for me. Um, kind of confident going through all the games now, to be fair. I thought we'd struggle. Just because I thought Wolves would probably put ten men behind the ball and um, defend. lo and behold, they did. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're, they're, they're trying to cut a piece of meat, blunt knife with Wolves. Yeah, they've got nothing up front. Um, I think the weird thing. I'm not actually scared to play anyone. No, no, no. I think it's just you know it's the inbuilt sort of concern because of the way things have gone over the last two or three you know, seasons, maybe, that just sort of still lingers a little bit in the back of your mind, maybe. That's probably where it came from. Yeah, and I just think that some of the performances that we've put through this season, like we've dropped them. Even the Wolves game, when it was nearly not half-time last season, 
I've um, uh, but there's players that have elevated the stepping up like Erdogan, like yeah, we most of these players we had a lot apart from um, Jesus and Sajenta and Saliba, but um, the ones they've learnt, they've lived and learnt the hard way from last season. Mm. So, like people like Erdogan, he was tough, don't score enough. Yeah. Sorry, George, can I I'll just stop you just a second? Uh, you're really breaking up and go, coming in and going out again. We're losing your voice. Do you want to just drop out and come back in, see if it can fix the problem? Yeah, sorry, sorry, Kunjan. Yeah, I was just having a bit of trouble with um, yeah. his, his coverage there. But yeah, I mean, same question to you. I mean, were, were you slightly concerned maybe just, just because of what happened with Man City and whether it could have possibly put a little bit more pressure onto us going into the game? I, okay, I, I, what I'm going to say is a little controversial, but I think because of the position we're at at the table, I think every game, is there's a certain uncertainty about it. There is pressure because we could be playing Wolves on the worst run of form, um, bottom of the table, but you always have this what if. You had a really good um, intuition about Brentford. If you asked me, a draw would have been great. Forget forget three points. I would have been very content with Brentford getting just a draw out of Man City. Um, the thing is, like everyone, every 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 channel out there, every pundit, every every bookie, is still saying Man City are the favorites for the title for good reasoning. Um, <clears throat> and because of that, I think the pressure is quite high for Arsenal to keep on performing week in and week out, which is expected. We should be we should be at that level where this is now routine. Let's go out there. Let's perform week in and week out. Let's get the result. Um, so when Man City finally lost, dropped the points, and we had a, a deadlock at, at, at nil-nil, I was like, uh-oh. I hope we do capitalize on this. So when the first goal went in, I was like, ah, yes, you know. And again, Wolves were, I think what George was saying earlier on, Wolves did look a little flat, you know. They were missing a few players. Their confidence is at an all-time low. Um, yes, they had the new manager, but he's watching from the stands. So I think his work is now literally set, cleaning up, you know, what's left behind. His is using the next six weeks to get the team back up and then get the confidence because Wolves are a really good squad. Let's not forget that. Like, let's not be, let's not be fooled by that position. It's very disingenuous. Uh, Wolves are a damn good squad. Like, I think with Nottingham Forest, with an, like, I think they signed, what, 311 players uh, during mm. the summer, hands for window. <laughs> and, and you can see that there is that lack of gel, that lack of, a fluidity, that lack of camaraderie the, that, that is needed in the squad. But then again, in the next six weeks, we don't know what's going to happen behind the scenes. Uh, Southampton do look like a team that um, may go down. Like Leicester, <clears throat> everyone had their, their money on Leicester, but they're going down. Right now, Leicester are flying. They're doing really well. So it's such an unpredictable season that we can't tell what's going to happen when. So if you asked me, confidently there's not a single game i can confidently say we would win except one which was against tottenham at the emirates i was like i was pretty sure we we're gonna win now <laughs> um but again 
when you watch the type of football, like against Southampton, I, I don't think a single one of us would have thought, yeah, we're going to walk out of there with a point. Not a single one of us thought we're going to lose uh, at Old Trafford. But that's the beauty of the season. Nobody thought we would like run riot at Liverpool. No one was, well, no one was under the impression that we would like play out Chelsea the way we did. So these are positive signs. This is the evolution of the new squad. This is us stepping up a gear. Um, and again, I can't say this over and over again. Yes, we're not the favorites for the title. I don't think any Arsenal fan right now is saying we're surely going to win it. I think every Arsenal fan are like, even if we don't win it, they've done us proud. They've done us so much like they've given us so much belief because again we go again next season we go again the season after and mind you the, the teams around us are also in a process chelsea look like they're in a process united look like they're in a process liverpool are looking like they're in a rebuilding structure with klopp and it's going to take time and this is our best time to capitalize on this yeah 100 percent. you back george that's good yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so far so good, pal. So far so good. Yeah, I mean, obviously, just carry on what you were saying. I mean, Kunjan was just saying that, you know, there are a lot of other teams that are potentially, you know, in a, in a bit of transition at the moment. Um, you know, even Wolves, who we were playing, have got the new manager who was sitting in the stands watching them uh, that day. I mean, that could this six-week break couldn't come at a better time for him. I mean, obviously, he's going to be able to have a full sort of pre-season with his new squad, isn't he? And uh, really try and get them sorted out. But, um, yeah, I mean, even even Manchester City, who we were playing, who we, the question I put to you about them losing, have slightly changed their squad. They lost, lost three big players, two of them to us, obviously, Zinchenko and Jesus. But they also lost Raheem Sterling. Um, and they replaced them with, you know, players that obviously won... <laughs> Unbelievable world-class talent in the forward, but he sort of slightly changes the way they play a little bit as well. Um, so they're starting to get used to him having him in the team and week in, week out. But um, yeah, like you were saying, I'll let you carry on. Obviously, you weren't really that worried about the game, even though that you know, Man City had lost, and you were quite confident still going into the game. Yeah, like. Um... Not really, but like the way we're playing, just the games we've got, like we're dominating possession. Uh, so I wasn't too worried. I just worry when we're trying to break teams. That's my worry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know what I'll do to score. I was, <clears throat> it's unfortunate we're still losing your, uh, your voice. George, you're still coming in and out, unfortunately. It's a shame. Just lost you completely. I've lost you completely now. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it's, uh, from what George was saying, yeah. um, I was I was fully expecting Wolves to be, you know, all players behind the ball. Yeah, you know, when they sort of kicked off, and pretty much from the word go. Uh, funnily enough, the first two minutes they didn't touch the ball. And, to, and Granit Xhaka went down. They hadn't touched the ball in those first two minutes. And I genuinely do believe that when Granit, we lost Granit Xhaka, because, you know, I know he came and 
carried on playing for a few minutes more. But it, I think that really disrupted the start that we had and the flow we had at that particular point. And then when he had to go off on, I don't know what it was, 15 minutes or so, uh, and he brought, yeah. on, brought on Jesus. Um, sort of Jesus, um, Vieira, bigger part. <laughs> they brought on, yeah, they brought on Vieira. Um, it, it did disrupt the way that we started the game, I believe. And then we found out afterwards that obviously everyone had been suffering with gonorrhea, like I said. Right. <laughs> not, not quite. But, you know, um, yeah. So that, that probably uh, wasn't helping matters. But yeah, I, I, when they did start, they it was obvious right from the word go that they were not out to try and cause us problems. They were trying to completely put all the men behind the ball and just hit us on the break whenever they possibly could. As I know you said that you know, they're, they're pretty blunt up front, but they have got a lot of pace up front with uh, yeah. their forward players. They're not the sharpest in front of goal, but they have got a hell of a lot of pace. And it did cause us, you know, the odd eyebrow-raising moment from time to time when they broke forward and shot just over the bar on one occasion. And, uh, you know, he's always, I mean, the, the player, I mean, the Hulk, I call him, <laughs> he's always going to cause us uh, a few problems, even though he's absolutely dreadful when it comes to the, the final pass, the final shot. That's true. But he's, a, he's a real, real handful. And he still, yeah. still oils himself up, doesn't he? And I thought we saw the end of him when he went to Barcelona, but uh, he's back. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he's terrorizing the, the defenses. But you're right. I think I think his physicality and pace is something um, that is quite terrifying. But yeah, when it comes to the final ball, in the final third, he's he's not the best. Um, and even regarding the substitution, um, it was quite interesting to see that Sambi wasn't on the bench. Yeah, he must have been suffering more than others, I think. True. And and, and the thing was, that as soon as Jaco went down, I, I genuinely thought that um, I wish he brings on Vieira. Yeah, me too. Um, but I was under the impression it would be El Neni because I thought maybe El Neni will go into the defensive midfielder role and then he'll push Partey up. But I like that he didn't change that structure. He's like, no, let Partey sit at the base. We'll get Fabio Vieira, who's a left footer, play him on the left, mm. uh, you know, a little further out. And him and Odegaard can, you know, play a slight creative uh, duo and, and, and try and figure out who will move into what space. And if you saw having Vieira into the, into the center, helped Odegaard progress so much further because I think with Jaka, it's more direct. Mm. And with Odegaard, he, he sits right behind the strikers as the creative uh, out player. But with Fabio Vieira, because he's got that dynamism in him that he can cut in and, you know, move towards the end and, you know, move away to the left, bring it to the center. It gave Odegaard more space um, to move into the center. And that's what even I think when we signed Fabio Vieira, uh, Arteta was saying that, I can see the both of them playing together. And this was a lovely mm. opportunity to see that. I was just thinking, I'm like, it would be such a beautiful time to see Smith Rowe come on. But whenever that does happen, we have mm. such a good plethora of talent, young talent, who play very different dynamic positions. Like, you cannot say Odegaard is similar to Fabio Vieira. You cannot say Fabio Vieira is similar to Emil Smith Rowe. And you cannot say Emil Smith Rowe is similar to Odegaard. They're so dynamically different, and yet it just works. The whole yeah. 
system, the whole play, how every little tweak can make a difference on who plays what from where. It's it's beautiful. Again, it's it's a good roster of talent to have to see what we can work with. Definitely. And it was a good opportunity for Fabio Vieira to play with the first team as well. And it's not, you know, he had a relatively quiet first half. But, I mean, I don't know what people are expecting, Ria. I think overall, I was really pleased with his contribution in the team. I thought he played quite well. And um, but when he's, he's gone from one different team to another, obviously playing on Thursday nights going and then playing with the first team. But it was great to see him working with the first team players in the in, in an important game. And I thought he did really well. And I thought it was an ideal game for him to, to drop into because of what we were speaking about earlier, trying to break down this really low block. Mm. Fabio Vieira is an absolutely perfect person for that alongside Erdegaard. Because we were never going to come under significant pressure. So if we were ever going to lose Xhaka for a, any kind of minutes of any game, this was probably the ideal one to do that in. Yeah, you're right. Because we, we were going to be constantly camped in their half with, you know, like some nine, ten players behind the ball right. uh, for Wolves. And Fabio Vera was an absolutely ideal one to drop into this. So, yeah, I, I was really pleased to see him on the bench. And funnily enough, I didn't even give a thought to Sambi. And it wasn't until after the game, you know, that I realised he wasn't even on the bench. Right. Um, so, so it, it didn't even cross my mind that he might come on. What right. did cross my mind when I saw El Nenny warming up? Yes. Yes. I thought potentially, potentially, there's a chance here that I know you said he could move Partey up further up the field, but mm -hmm. I thought potentially he could drop to a back three and push. Um, uh, oh God, what's his name? Gone completely out of my head. Our left back, uh, Zinchenko. Zinchenko, thank you. My right. brain right. sometimes, I do yeah, yeah. Zinchenko would have been a good shot to put in Zinchenko, yeah, to, to replace, yeah. um, yeah, Jack. good shot. It's a good shot because then he could have brought on Tierney, Tierney could have slotted into even that could have happened. He brings on Tierney, slots him into left back, and puts Zinchenko into the Jaka role, yeah. Because uh, it's funny, I'm jumping forward a little bit here, but Tierney was. Definitely going to come on at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah. He went. He went off straight down the, the tunnel after warming up. Um, he was another one that was obviously suffering yeah. quite badly, uh, yeah. which is why um, you know he went for Cedric instead to come on. Um, yeah. Obviously, slightly less ill than than uh, Tierney was, but um, yeah, I felt a little bit sorry for Tierney. First, when I was watching the game, I didn't know what the, the, the squad had been suffering with this illness. Uh, as a whole, I know that obviously we saw Xhaka go off, but none of us really knew the, how deep it was within the squad at that point. Um, when Tierney was warming up and then Cedric came on, I thought, oh no, poor Tierney. I felt really sorry for him at that particular point, thinking he's been overlooked again. But right. it wasn't until after the game that we realised that he'd gone off back down the tunnel because he was really wasn't feeling very well. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a funny... Funny day, really, all around. With when he found out about that, wasn't it? But again, as you said, so as you said it so correctly, that this was a golden opportunity for Fabio Vieira to also get into the system because every Thursday night he's playing with a different group of players in a different position because he's now playing the creative space uh, instead of Odegaard, um, and then he's got Sambi uh, onto his left, and then he's got Elneny behind him. All of a sudden, now he finds himself in the Jaka role. He's got 
Odegaard on his right and he's got Partey at the back. And all of a sudden you're like, this is a very different dynamic. This is a very different well, group of people. Exactly. And it, that's how, um, you know, when Nelson came on for a sucker yes. when he was yes. injured, he had yes. all the first team players around him. Absolutely. It makes a massive difference. It does. It does. And that's why even in the, in the, in the League Cup against uh, Brighton, you could see that. You could see the difference. And that's why when we keep talking about uh, a potential title charge, I come down to depth for that reason. That today, if we lose three or four of these players, do we have the grit to turn around and say, he's going to do the job, he's going to do the job? It's still a big question mark. Even Fabio Vieira, we keep forgetting. Like Everyone is highlighting how he's not already kicked off. We are forgetting, number one, the man had no preseason. Number two, have you seen him? He needs to bulk up a bit. He needs to get to the physicality of the Premier League. Eddie Nketiah, up until last season, was a scrawny little guy. Now he's bulked up. He's looking the part. Odegaard, when Odegaard came, he was quite fragile. Right now, he looks like he's ready for the Premier League. He's still not bulked up, but he's strengthened himself. Saka, when Saka Saka versus Taunton the scene as a teenager, right now, that kid's looking stronger than ever. We keep forgetting that it, there is a transitional period. These players need to understand the game, the physicality, the tactics, the weather, the pitch, the language. I think it was Arteta who said recently that uh, uh, between Saliba, Gabriel, and Ben White, they communicate with a very weird mix of Portuguese, uh, French, and English, and yet they understand each other. And Gabriel's been with us for over two seasons. Hmm. So I'm just what I'm trying to get at is that we we te- we tend to take away the organic element from these players. Give Vieira a season. I I I can say he's going to shine. I, you can just see a, a player in him. Um, Absolutely, yeah, totally. Agree. And you can see he's going to shine. He's going to be an asset to us. And these next six weeks as well, they're going to be huge for him. Yep, for, yep. for him to yep. spend real quality time with Mikel Arteta and the rest of the players on the pitch um, in Dubai, learning the ropes. It's going to be like a little mini pre-season for him. Like you said quite rightly, he didn't have a full pre-season, didn't have any pre-season with us. Didn't have any pre-season, yeah. So um, this is going to be really, really valuable for him and obviously many of the other fringe players as well. Uh, I mean, even players like Marquinhos, they're going to be able to make a decision on him, whether he's going to stick around for the remainder of the season, whether he's going to go out on loan. Right. Depends who we're going to get in January, I suppose. Um, as far as that one's concerned, so yeah, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie would Eddie would benefit big time with this six yeah. weeks. Yeah, definitely. he's not going to the World Cup right now. He's going to get his shooting boots on because he's he's not happy sitting on the bench. No one would be. He signed a new contract. He got the number fourteen. He must be sitting there going, "Did I make a mistake?" And now he's got six weeks to prove it by saying, "I'm going to work. I'm going to ensure that." When Jesus comes back, he's on the bench and I'm on the starting lineup. None of these players are going to moan when they've got a medal around their necks at the end of the season. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be very glad he's stuck around. That's true. That's so yeah. true. That's yeah. so true. But I, I, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see from next season, you know, what's going to happen with certain players like i mean we all we all i think it's an entire fan base i mean i can't think of anyone that doesn't like 
Kieran Tierney, for example. We all love him. We all love him to bits. Everything about him. He's a wonderful player, wonderful professional. But, you know, is the team slightly moving away from him? And it's going to be slightly interesting, you know, come the summer as to, you know, what his thoughts are going to be like. And would it make a difference if we, if and when, you know, we, we do go ahead and, and win the leagues by some miracle and keep this kind of form up? I mean, if it does happen, uh, is that going to change people's feet? Is he, is he going to think, well, I'm not leaving now. You know, we're, we're, we're champions of, of England. You know, it's going to be so fascinating what's going to happen. Quite apart from how players are going to come back from the World Cup and how the team is going to gel together again once everyone gets back together and they're at different stages of fitness potentially and so on. <clears throat> Quite apart from all that, note that no one knows. It is going to be fascinating as to the team dynamic and what's going to happen at the end of the season as well. There's, there's a lot to look forward to, really. I think with Tierney, um, what's, uh, again, we, we take a, a, away from account is we don't know the extent of his healing right now because he hasn't fully recovered. He's still not 100% fit. Even in the Europa League or in the uh, League Cup, he's not able to complete a, a good 90 minutes. That's the first thing. Because we love the guy. We've seen him at his full potential. We've seen him at his peak. And he's, he's class. Maybe you don't want to call him world class. That's fine. He's class. And he's, he's a left back right now where I can say he can get into a Man City. He can get into a, a well a Tottenham. He can get into a Manchester United. I, th- I think right now, if we offered Tierney to like a Manchester United, they'd bite your arm off. Mm. He's he's a class player. And again, it's not that Tierney's not good enough. He brings a different style. When we watch Zinchenko play, you can see it when the cameras are uh, you know taking the overhead shot. He slots into midfield. Tierney is very direct. He goes down the line. He plays the, the balls to the to the strikers, the midfielders. He tries to cut in. He scores goals. He's You saw his goal, um, I think it was in the Europa League. It was a winner against uh, yeah. Zurich. Um, Zurich, thank you. And, and, and you saw his direct play. He, he was not sitting on the wing. He no. cut in. He was waiting for the ball. He got the ball. Smack! Like that's. Do you remember the goal? Uh, the goal against? I think was it Brighton when it was excessively snowy. Yeah. Uh, no, it's West it Brom. West, West Brom. Brom. Sorry, it was West Brom. When when he cut in from the left and yeah, I can't, smashed I can't, it with his right. I can't remember Zinchenko's name, but I can remember Kieran Tierney's goal in the snow. Okay. <laughs> my point is, my point is like that's that's what Kieran Tierney has in his locker. We forget that, and we have to sit and. We have a Zinchenko, we're spoiled for choice. When we didn't have a Zinchenko, we were like, oh, Tavares, how terrible is he? We miss Kearney. Like, we have to remember what we had well, you know, before I, I, we complain. Exactly. I can remember on this podcast earlier on in the season when he, he was having a run in the team um, after Zinchenko's injury. I thought, mm. you know, because he was asked to play the Zinchenko role. He was yeah. asked to sort of move into... And I thought that... I could see him getting better and better at it. He's not a Zinchenko, but yeah. I could see that he was taking everything on board and learning that new position. And I thought he was getting, yeah. you know, a lot better at it, a lot more comfortable as, as each game progressed as well. So I think he could, if he was, God forbid, if, if anything terrible happens to Zinchenko, he's out for any period of time. 
Whether he would get that chance now to to do that again, I don't know. But I thought he had the ability and the intelligence to actually learn it over some time. It would have taken him a bit more time. And like I said, he's obviously not as technically competent as Zinchenko on the ball. Right. But I thought that he did have the ability and the you know, the professionalism, really, to learn that role better and better. And I thought I could see it in my own eyes that he was getting it week after week as well. So I, I would be loath to lose him because I think right. our, all of our defenders, even, like I said, even big bad Bobby Holding, who comes on in the <laughs> you know, 10, 15 minutes to go, I, I still like him. I think, I think he can do it. I love, I love Rob Holding. I think, I think he's... He brings so much of positivity. He brings so much of happiness. He brings so much of, again, the word I keep saying, camaraderie to the team. That it's not about what he does on the pitch that's important. It's what he does off the pitch. When you read the Brazil national team roster, there's a 39-year-old Danny Alves who's part mm. of the team. Mm. And the only reason is there is for the team spirit. He cannot be support staff. Because, again, I do kind of understand why he's not support staff and why he's a player. Once you're support staff, there is a certain disconnect with the players. You become staff. You become the bosses. When you're part of the players, you become the mouthpiece for the players. You go to the support staff. You give the information. The support staff trusts you with that information. You go and give it to the players. If you can have a 39-year-old Danny Alves representing five-time World Cup champions, why can't you have a 500,000 pound player from Bolton Wanderers? I, I love Rob Holding. I think if, the, if you told me next season we're losing either Rob Holding or, God forbid, Granite Jaka, I, I, I would say it's been good, Jaka. You know, like good to have you on board, buddy, with all the form, with all the goals. Because I think Rob Holding has a certain charisma, a certain aura which we need in the club. In in all these in, in all the dark, gloomy days we've had, the one guy, and, and I think even in the documentary, he said it. He's like, uh, everyone looks at me, he's like, why are you always smiling? And he's like, because I love what I'm doing. I'm happy in what I'm doing. What more do you want in a player? What more do you want in a human? You just want this, this, this energy around you every time because it pumps you up, it keeps you going, and it keeps you wanting to play for this football club, this fantastic football club. Well, I think look, I've said it before. So, do, you know, what better backup defender who knows he's not going to play week on week could you get? Because anyone else would want to be playing week in, week out. They'd moan. They wouldn't be as, you know, as good in the dressing room to, to have around in that situation because they'd just be constantly moaning. They're like in the All or Nothing documentary with, with Sambi moaning about yeah. not playing and. You know, and Ketty is saying, you know, you're not the only one, mate, blah, blah, blah. You don't want people like that in and around the squad week after week because it just, it would eventually drain everyone else that's around them. So to have him in the, you know, just on the bench, in the background, ready to, because he's always ready to come on. Um, Yeah, I I think he's top. You know, the top yeah. to have around. And I love the guy. I love the guy. It'll break my heart. It'll break my heart if he leaves the club. It will break my heart. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, people will say, well, we can upgrade on him. That's fine. But where are you going to get this player who's happy to play second fiddle like he is? The same goes for Elneny. 
you know. Uh, yes, yes, people, yes. People say, "Oh, we needed, we need a real class backup for him." Uh, sorry, for for Partey, and he's that's exactly the same situation. You're not going to get someone who's just as good as Partey, who's going to happy to happy to sit on the bench. Um, if you can, amazing, fantastic. If you've got right. the managerial skills to keep that person happy, brilliant. But right. it's harder than it looks, and it's harder than you think. Um, but with Inel Nenny and Rob Holding, they are the type of backup players that help you win leagues. True. You know, the great Man True. United teams of the past, they all had their Phil Nevilles and, and players yes. like that, yes. and yes. Nicky Butts and and so on and so forth. Didn't get any Dennis headlines. Irwin, the Dennis Owens. Yeah, Dennis yeah. Owens. Did, didn't get any headlines, but whenever well, they were called upon, they came in Teddy and did a job. Teddy Sheringham, there we go, yeah. 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 So not every single member of your squad is is going to be or has to be world-class player. True. Yeah, I can't think of anything to do. But I'll tell you what we need to talk about, is, and that's obviously Captain Fantastic who stepped up to the plate because I think that when I was watching it and I was with my kids, we all sat down watching the game and when we lost Granite Xhaka, we all said, oh, but that's a, that's a blow because we all know what a leader he is on the pitch. Right. Um, and we, we haven't got, you know, too many heads like him. You know, we've got Gabriel Jesus, who's a leader on the pitch. Um, but, yeah, we've got the defenders, but... There's not many other people like him. We need him on the pitch at the moment. And when we lost him, it was a real blow. But then as the game progressed, I actually said to my kids, you can see Martin Erdegaard has stepped up to the plate here. He stepped up to the mantle. Um, after the first goal, especially, you know, in fact, funnily enough, I thought Saka had got the nick. Yeah, <laughs> to, that's to, to score that one at first. And I thought, why, why is was Erdegaard celebrating? That's clearly, <laughs> Saka, clearly Saka's goal. And even on the replays, it's hard to tell, isn't it, from sometimes? But, but um, obviously, it was his goal. But then, you know, you could see he'd really sort of even elevated the game even more. He thought, right, he not monitored the situation, said, lost granite. I'm going to have to really step up here, and I really think he did. Yeah. And I was, like I said, I was commenting on that to my kids as as, uh, as the game was progressing. But obviously, two goals as well, which makes him our top goal scorer in yeah. uh, at the moment yeah. in the league. Six goals in 14 games and two assists. Uh, it's really good going, isn't it? And we all wanted him to start scoring more goals, so it was great. I mean, the second goal as well. I just quickly before I pass you on to you, it's a lot harder finishing. It looked. As well, you know, because there was players on the line, everything. But he, he literally had a small pocket of space to shoot the ball into, and he pinpoint got it at power as well with power. So, yeah, what was your thoughts on him and his performance on the day? No, you're right. I think I think you're you're spot on about it that he stepped up. And again, like when we signed him, I remember, um, and there were rumors about who the next captain is going to be, especially after we lost Aubameyang. And then there was the names being thrown around, like Tierney was supposed to be uh, a name that we would have considered. And, and, I, and I still think he's a fantastic captain, but because he's not starting, I think that's maybe uh, a discussion point. Um, Gabriel was a name that stepped up. Then, like Xhaka, Odegaard. But we forget he's the, he's the captain of the national team. He knows what leadership is. Like, he 
he leads a team which has Holland in it. So for him to be able to understand and what people forget is what happens on the pitch, what's happening behind the scenes. Odegaard doesn't come off, doesn't come off as a most vocal guy because of his aesthetic, because of his demeanor. Xhaka's always, you know, like arced eyebrow and he's like waving his hands and he's like, but Odegaard, I'm sure, has his style of captaincy and you can see it through. I think as soon as Xhaka stepped out, you could, as I, as I was telling you earlier on, you could see Odegaard was pushing forward more because now he kind of adapted his game to Vieira's. And again, you take it back to Arteta. Arteta must have planned this in. Arteta must have had the session uh, in training where he's like, this is a possibility and this is how we're going to play with it. Because I, I started seeing um, Odegaard getting more direct with what Jaka was doing in the box-to-box role. Except Odegaard was more on the, in the attacking midfield role, going quite direct. Mm. And both goals, if you see his position play, he was in the box for both the goals. Um, uh, for the second goal, I have to credit Martinelli. Martinelli first yeah. started with, with the... He stole the ball from the mm. different... Yeah, uh, I mean, did. that's yeah. him all over, isn't it? Chasing, it is. a, <laughs> chasing a lost cause, really. It's at the true. Corner flag. It's true. And then I think he played on to Zinchenko, who cut it in to him, mm. hit the ball. It, it, I think there was a save or hit the defender, and it fell onto uh, Odegaard, who had all the space and all the time in the world, and beautifully. And that's, again, early in the season, the same chance fell to Odegaard, and hit it at the keeper or he hit it wide or this is this is where I think the training, the playbacks, when they go back to training and, and they're shown footage from the previous game, they're like, okay guys, we're gonna work on this, we're gonna work on that. We're gonna and you could see that. You could see these little, little, little things that were not working before are being worked on every training session going forward. And you could see the improvement. That's what I'm saying that this is an evolution happening in front of us. We just don't understand it. But it is evolutionary. Yeah, I've said to my kids as well, you need to be taking in every single game this season and really remembering it and sort of taking it all in because this you could be watching a real historic season here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and no, it's true. You're and absolutely I said, right. I said these absolutely. players are blossoming right in front of our eyes. You know, every single one of them, they're all young. They're all going to get better. The youngest team in the Premier League, the youngest team in the hardest league in the world. And this is what they're doing. Like, a mental- you know, the mentality monsters tag has moved from Liverpool to us now. I, I genuinely yeah. believe that. And I've, I've been saying exactly the same as you throughout the previous podcast over previous weeks all season about winning each half as well, same as what you did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think we totally deserved to win both halves in this game. But I think if we weren't ill, I think we, I think yeah. we would have done. But we had it, we're making enough chances to do so um, in every game now. And once again, you know, the, the focus is on Gabriel Jesus because he didn't score. I, I think he was right up there as one of the man of the match performances yeah. again. I think, yeah. I think he was absolutely outstanding. And so unlucky with that slightly marginal offside goal he scored right yes. there. Yes. I yeah. mean, that touch, the touch you, yeah. you, to bring it down. I mean, that was world class. Yeah. And it, the touch and finish was not of someone that's low on confidence, is it? And then and he, it, he hit the yeah. crossbar as well. Yes. Yes, he did. He did. 
So I'm not worried. Again, I'm, I'm not worried about the guy because he had five. I believe he had five shots in this in this game again, and he's going to go through a patch of scoring yes. bag loads of goals. And do you know what? He's another one that this six week break could actually help. Because it will take him away from the worry of not scoring for Arsenal. Because I'm sure as a striker, he will be worrying about it slightly, even subconsciously. But he's taken away from that now. And he's got something else to think about with his country in the World Cup. So hopefully when he comes back, he will start start the season again, the way he started it originally. I think I think Jesus uh, when he was when when he just joined and he was scoring for fun, especially in the preseason. Uh, we started off in the Premier League, and I think it was against Leicester. He scored a brace, and everyone was like, "He should have had a hat trick." No one was speaking about that. If if anything, everyone was like, "Yeah, he's on fire. He's on form." And I said this to you last week. He's not off form. He's just no. he's just playing um, the game. He's understanding and. Again, um, someone someone pointed out th- this to me last week, which was City without Holland are still dangerous, but now in this season they've, I want to say they've designed the game around Erling Holland. Mm. When you look at Arsenal, we're getting our top scorer is Odegaard. Um, we have goals from Martinelli. We've had goals from Jesus. We've had goals from Xhaka. I think I think you put out the stat, Saka. which was, I think you put out the stat which said that we've had more goals in midfield uh, between uh, Partey, uh, Xhaka, and Odegaard. Already, we have surpassed what we've had in the past two seasons. I think was it mm. you or someone else put out that stat? Yeah. And, and we we're, we're what fourteen games in. Um, uh, and and I'm and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, we're getting goals from all over the place. Gabriel has got a couple of goals. Saliba has got a couple of goals. And you're like, you know what? We're getting the goals spread out across the pitch, which is great. When you looked at what uh, we did in the season before the Invincibles, uh, when we went uh, the whole season scoring, I think, I think we were undefeated away, or is it that we scored every goal um, the two seasons before when we won the Premier League? Mm. Uh, and 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 yeah. And again, it was a case of Henri was getting the goals. Um, Perez was getting in the goals. Burkamp was getting in the goals. Patrick Vieira was getting the goals. Jumberg was contributing the goals. Like everybody was contributing. Yes, Thierry Henry was our top uh, scorer. He was the, the man on form. But everyone was contributing. There was a season where Perez was voted our Player of the Year because of the kind of goals he was scoring, the number of goals he had scored. This is, I like to see that. There's no dependency on one person. And we've been in a habit of that. Saka was was um, attributed of having uh, the, 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 the lion's share of responsibility. Aubameyang has had that. Um, Lacazette once upon a time had that. I think now it's so evenly spread out, it's enjoyable to watch this. Every time I see Nketiah come on instead of uh, Gabriel Jesus, he stretches the defense. He may not be getting the goals, but he stretches the defense. He's causing spaces. He's getting part. Couldn't Jan's frozen now for anyone listening. <laughs> listening in on Spotify. We're not having much luck today. Now, um, Kunjan's uh, gone the same way as 
George did. Let me just uh, get drop him out just for one second. There we go. I've just kicked him out. Hopefully he'll rejoin and we'll solve this problem. You bear with me just one second. Right, just messaged him, get him to rejoin. <clears throat> it's a shame because he was right in his flow there. You don't want to be looking at my ugly mug just on its own, do you? Here we are. You're back. You, yes, you sir. Sorry about that. You, that's all right. No, no, you completely froze. I'm just glad you got back on. Okay. So again, I was telling you earlier on that I'm glad that the goals are spread out. I'm glad that we're not reliant on one striker or one midfielder for the goals. And that's that's something. It's so good to see this. It's so good to watch this. It's so good to enjoy this. Um, the only thing that I will get to over and over again is the depth, which is why I said. I'm happy for the six-week break. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. And, I mean, the, the Mundric links are getting quite strong. Yeah. Um, he looks like a real player. He looks like um, an Erling Haaland on the wing, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah. Not quite as big and you yes. know tall and powerful, but he looks relentless. That's yeah. a good word for him, I think. He looks like a relentless player up and down that wing. So, right. fingers crossed that you know, something can come of him and uh, one or two others as well. Right. But I'm sure they're starting to work on that already. Um, well, you know, coming up to it. But he said he would be disappointed if he doesn't get his move this winter, you know, in the, yeah. in the January window. Yeah. So let's keep our fingers crossed for that. I but just um, I just think, Andrew, that, that's, why, that's why I'm saying that. I think the six weeks for me, why it's a blessing, why, why I'm over and over reiterating this is because if we weren't in the position we were at, we would have been like, okay, we were in a run of form. We're sitting on third. We're sitting at fourth. It's fine. Let the players come back and we'll, we'll pick up, regroup, and take it forward from there. For me, it's like 26th December, we kick off against West Ham. Um, we have a very strong run of, of, of uh, fixtures. Um, let me just go through some of the, the matches we have. We have West Ham on the 26th. We have Brighton away on the 31st. We have Newcastle at home on the 3rd of Jan. We have the Toilet Bowl Stadium on the 14th of Jan. We have United uh, at the Emirates on the 21st of Jan. This is just after the World Cup. These are not easy fixtures. And right now, if we are trying, even if I'm not saying, we may not win it, but even if we're trying, a serious attempt at going for the title, I think between the 26th of Jan and let's say the 14th of Jan, whatever we can add to the armory, no pun intended, whatever, whatever arrows we can put into our quiver will just make the challenge stronger. Because right now, if we had the, if we had the schedule the way it is up until December, we're going to face a lot of injuries. We're going to face a lot of players off form, a lot of people with gonorrhea, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Having this break helps for that, just for that reason. 
I know. I, I just think that the only team I would be slightly concerned about in that run right now, if it was if it were carrying on, Newcastle. Um, Newcastle. Yeah. It's the only one. It's the only one slightly yeah. that I'll be. I still think we'd have enough to beat them. But, but again, January. Don't tough. be surprised. They'll don't be surprised. They'll strengthen. You know the kind of money they're sitting on. Exactly. That's why I'd love it yeah. to carry on right now if we can get them out right <laughs> okay. now. But so now, I mean, imagine playing Manchester United in, in, after the t- all the turmoil they're in at the moment with one of their players ripping everyone else to shreds and all the. Well, to be fair, he did speak well now. about Arsenal. To be fair, he spoke well about Arsenal. So, well, of course he would. He, you know, he'd love to come and join the, the top sure. club in, in England, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, he can jog on anyway. But uh, no, I mean, it leads us on to talk about the, the World Cup because. I, th- yeah. I think that I am so conflicted because I, I hate the fact that it's happening now. Yeah. I hate the fact that it's happening where it is. Yeah. And with, you know, that country just shouldn't be holding a World Cup. Sure. And everything else, that's all the all the sinister and all the human rights situation and all the deaths and everything else just makes me really angry <clears throat> and disappointed, to be honest. But at the same time, I feel like I've been robbed of a proper proper World Cup in the summer. I feel like right. I've been robbed of six months, so, sorry, six weeks of watching Arsenal because although it's going to restart again at Christmas time, we're not going to have six weeks added on the end, at the end of the season to miss right. out for these six weeks. We're going to get it's all just going to be constricted into <clears throat> one season. So, and obviously, it's happening this season of all seasons when Arsenal are absolutely running right and we're top of the league, um, and we're now. We've gone from having 13 games, I think it is, I think I've read, from October the 1st to now. Yeah. We've had 13 yeah. games to nothing. Right. So it's like, it's like, you know, you're a heroin addict. So it's just suddenly had everything <laughs> taken away and just done going cold turkey. So right. so that's the, that's the, the shame. You, everything you said is, is, is right. And that's just like the sensible reason why a six-week break now is good. But I'm just selfishly. I just feel like all the good stuff has just suddenly been ripped away from me, and I'm going cold turkey off of heroin. So um, I, I don't. I mean, I, I still, I think, I still want to watch the World Cup because there's nothing yeah. else to do for the next six weeks. Obviously, let's face it, mm-hmm. and for it to keep me going, I want to enjoy it. I don't know whether I will or not, um, but I want to enjoy it. But I feel so conflicted about. The whole situation. Do you get where I'm coming from? Of course, of course I do. And, and and I think if you want motivation, use it as a scouting platform. You may see a few players, you'd be like, he'd be good for the squad. He'd be good if we signed him. Use that. I, I do that time to time. I'd be like, oh man, he, like when Hamas Rodriguez broke onto the scene, I was like, man, he'd be great for Arsenal. Yeah. He was, he was terrible for Everton, so let's not <laughs> get there. <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah, I wonder who's going to be the uh, the standout. Um, I've got a feeling, you know, it potentially could be one of our lads. Yeah. Um, Saka. Even someone from Spain. I think Spain uh, have a very young squad. We may see uh, the rise of one of their, their youth over there. Um, because I do believe there may be a dark horse uh, in, in the tournament. Um Everyone is saying Brazil are favourites. France are, are quite up there. England are also. But I just think Southgate doesn't have the strongest squad. And I think even the numbers were put out there uh, yesterday. And 
like Saka was given the number 17 and I was like, yeah, that's not starting now, is it? But they, he knows his job better than us, I guess. I would be surprised if Saka starts all the main important games. I, th- I think he'll be in the first starting 11. I'll be very, very surprised if he's not. But yeah, we won't... We won't win it because of the manager, uh, yeah. Yeah. Gareth Southgate, because he, I think he has got a very strong squad. Maybe not the strongest squad in the in the championships, but mm. he's got a very strong squad with a good amount of depth. But it, as soon as he comes up against a good team with a good manager, he comes unstuck. Um, yeah. You know, I just I've never warned him. I I, I let's, I'll take that back. I think I like him as a person. Yeah. I have warmed to him as a person. I think in front of the cameras, mm. when he's like uh, talking, he comes across brilliantly. Yeah. But as soon as he's on the sidelines and managing the squad in a game situation, I've got no faith in him, unfortunately. Right. Um, and I think the and people will throw it back at me. Oh well, he got to a semi final, World Cup semi final. He got to the championship, European Championships finals. Yeah. I think he did that because of the quality of players that he's got at his disposal. But we had a very, very good run in you know the the qualification qualification leading up to the World Cup. Yeah. We had a very good group, and then we were lucky with the draw that we had in the knockout stages as well. We didn't play any good teams, and as soon as a good team came up, it came unstuck. Unfortunately, but uh, and again, I think we'll even see. tactically, tactically, there's a very, I, I want to say the safe approach uh, tactically because I don't want to call it boring, but it's quite safe. It's what it's it's what Jose Mourinho, Conte, uh, it's it's uh, Thomas Tuchel, despite using the back three, still had more flair about his tactics and and, and his style of play. But when you see what Southgate's uh, deploying and what like someone like Conte is doing, it's it's quite similar and. Yeah, I think I think we're past that. It's it's boring, boring football, and we can move past that and make it a little more exciting, a little more creative. Bring in new tactics and new ideas, and 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 I think England do have it. I I think you're right. They have the squad. They have the squad. It's just a matter of just fine tuning some things here and there. Who are you going to be supporting in the World Cup? Are you going to watch it for a start? I mean, of course, yeah. I, 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 as I mentioned to you, I'll, I'll use it as a scouting platform. So, uh, I'll give my good friend Mikel a call and say, "Hey, man, I saw this little kid play. Why don't you sign him up? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do the paperwork. Don't worry about <laughs> it." Um, yeah, I, I, I want to say, I want to say, uh, because of. Uh, my loyalties to Arsenal, and again, so there's one, one, one team I I, I support um, every World Cup uh, if they're in it, and that's because again of my love for Arsenal. Uh, I started supporting Arsenal because of Dennis Bergkamp, and um, I've always wanted to see him, you know, play. Hello, uh, I've always yeah, wanted to see. My dog agrees with you. <laughs> I've always wanted to see him, uh, uh, you know, play in any given opportunity. So I used to watch the Netherlands, and again, it was it just helped that we did have a, a connection, be it with uh, Giovanni van Bronckhorst or, or later on Robin van Persie. We do have some sort of Dutch affiliation, so I do enjoy watching. I mean, not the best manager, but the team. The team also, again, this tournament looks good. Um, England is again a good shot because of Saka, Ramsdale, Ben White. Yay! Ben White. Uh, um, France, 
I'm not a fan of. But again, the affiliation with Henri. Brazil, I, I, I'm, I'm rooting for Brazil because of our, our Samba boys as well. And I do see them as favorites. But again, not every tournament the favorites have won. So. Yeah, I, I agree with what Stefan said there. I'll just put it on the screen for those yeah. who aren't, can't see. Saying watching international football is quite turgid anyway, but Gareth style is odious. That's very good words there, Stefan. I agree. Odious. That's, odious. That's why, yeah. you know, when you're watching um, an international tournament, that's why, I mean, going back to previous tournaments over the years, over my lifetime, teams like the Netherlands, teams like Brazil, who play yeah. lovely, attractive, attacking football have always caught everyone's attention down the, the years. You've had yeah. some teams like Germany, obviously, who always go far, always turn up yeah. to a tournament. They could have a terrible group, get through the yeah. group, and then get stronger and stronger as the tournament progresses. But they've never played what I would say have been hugely attractive football and quite boring. Italy have been quite boring in sometimes. Um, and got really far, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm going to be supporting the Arsenal boys, yeah. But I, I hope they do well. I think Saliba is most likely going to start most games, yeah, especially, especially as Brian's out, yeah. Um, obviously, Brazil, and yeah, obviously, England because of my birth, yeah. <laughs> right? And because of the three that we've got in the squad. Look, I can't. I can't see Ramsdale starting any games, unfortunately. Uh, although I think he should. He but, should. I think he should. I think we might should. be surprised with Ben White. You know, I, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. But we might be surprised. He might get a few minutes here and here and there, or actually start a game. You know, Especially, the funny thing was, I was just looking at the roster. Like centre back, centre back is quite um, stretched out because. If you're putting Harry Maguire there, next to him, you're putting I don't know Quarter Connie. Uh, you're putting uh, you're putting a uh, Eric Dyer. Oh man, he's in trouble. So I think having a Ben White maybe next to him. I don't know who would you who would you put as your who would you put as a centre back pairing for England? Yeah, in, in an <laughs> ideal world. It's really tough. I I would say probably. I mean, John Stones and Ben White are too similar. They're too similar, yeah. so I wouldn't pair them up. Mm. Obviously, I would go for Ben White because I think he's on form. Um, not yeah. just on form. I think he's just the, the best England centre back, in my opinion. And I, yeah. but he, you know, that's just my my thoughts. <sighs> You're looking at either pairing him with, which I couldn't do, is either Eric Dyer <laughs> yeah. or Connor Cody. Yeah. And probably because of the way that Connor Cody is, um, you, you always hear about in the, the changing room as a leader, as a, yeah. as a real vocal defender, but he's obviously got some skill and talent as well. Right. Maybe him, maybe him and Ben White. Uh, because they would, they're different enough to complement each other, and I think that's quite important um, in the centre pack pairing. Personally, I also thought of another. You know, we we're talking about Gabriel and Saliba and the way that they work together, and I was giving the analogy of Tony Adams and Martin Keown in the past. Another good analogy for them both is Vidic and Ferdinand. 
comparison. Yeah. yeah. Vidic was a very combative, you know, fiery central defender alongside another sort of, you know, robust, robust strong, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And alongside the, the more sort of elegant and Rolls Royce like Rio Ferdinand. And so that, that's another good comparison about um, yeah. Gabriel and, and Saliba. Which is funny you say that because, again, both centre-backs at different junctures in their career have been compared to Rio Ferdinand. When Gabriel burst onto the scene and was very robust and he had control of the ball, uh, when he was playing with... Uh, was that Ben White? Oh, no, 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 no. I thought you meant before we bought oh, him. Gabriel. When we got Gabriel uh, two seasons back, it was not Ben White he was paired with. He was paired with, uh, I think it was Rob Holden. David Luiz. David, David Luiz, thank you. Yeah. David Luiz. And, and and you could see Gabriel was the one, you know, doing the, the heavy tackling and, you know, like very aggressive. And people used to always say that, you know, one day he's going to pick up a red card. And, um, and, and you could see that in him. And everyone would compare him to Rio Ferdinand. Now, when you're saying this, it's so on the money because... Um, again, there's a different game that Rio Ferdinand had much later in his career, which it reminds me a lot of Saliba, where Saliba is like even against Wolves, uh, Saliba made the mistake where I think he played on um, number 17. I forget who it was. Guedes? Guedes. Is, uh, yeah. yeah. And, 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 he, and he hit it, and I was like, oh shit, this is top corner. But it, it went wide. You could see that this is the naivety. This is still him as a 21-year-old finding his game, finding his footing in the squad, finding his footing in the Premier League. Mm. Um, but again, it doesn't. it's not like, oh, man, we expect that from Saliba. He's got that mistake. No, it's, it's a one-off. The own goal against Leicester, it was a one-off. The, um, I think it was a couple of games back. What was the mistake he made that everyone was highlighting? I forget. Yeah, the Spurs one gave away the penalty. No, there's another one recently called like two, three games <clears> back. <throat> there was he's, one. He's yeah. done a, a dodgy pass in every game lately. Yes. <laughs> okay. But and again, that, what that, I'm saying is he's 21 years old. He's yeah, 21. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not knocking him. But it's funny yeah. because I was listening to the Arsenal Vision podcast today and Elliot was mm. saying, I think it's time that we everyone noticed what Gabriel is doing, you know, and yes. giving some credit yes. now. And he said, uh, you know, about mopping up after Saliba's mistakes lately. And he scored the goal to win us the game against yep. uh, Chelsea. And, yep. you know, the block that he put in after he almost, Saliba made two mistakes against Wolves. He nearly gave yeah. away the penalty, which was dubious. Yeah. I think it, was, it wasn't a given because of an off previous offside. Offside, yes. <clears throat> um, but he, he was a bit dodgy there. And also he, gave, he, he did a short back pass again. And both times, Gabriel was there to mop up this time as well. And we've been saying this for weeks on this channel, <laughs> backing Gabriel and noticing these things that he's doing. But nice of the Arsenal Vision boys to finally catch up with us today. Anyway, when I like when we were discussing about Gabriel, when we were discussing about Gabriel a couple of weeks back, we'd always say it's not a negative thing, but he's the chink in the armor, and that's not a bad chink to have. And, and with Gabriel, there's so much he does right that, unfortunately, we highlight what he does wrong. He hasn't done anything wrong for the last few games, though, has he? It's true. it's true. It's true. <laughs> Honestly, it's true. He, he's been it's immaculate. True. And he could have had a bit of a sulk, don't forget, on um, uh, the weekend um, because of not going to the World Cup. 
Yeah. Uh, the, all the announcements were made a few days before, a couple of days before. All yeah. his teammates find out they were going. He he yeah. was left behind. And he could have been a bit sad about yeah. it. Certainly, he made, rolled up his sleeves and uh, didn't give a shit, to be honest, in his performance, <laughs> did he? You know, he certainly uh, did brilliantly. Who's and again, just like Rob Holding, and again, just like Rob Holding, he has his aura of happiness. He's always smiling. He's always cheering people on. You need people like that. You need yeah. these kind of players that motivate you, that bring the team together, and just spur you on. Sorry for that, but yeah, just push you on. You know, <laughs> for just doing better and better. The, every every player that we've got at the moment just seems to love the club, don't they? I mean, yes, yes. every every one of them. Um, yes, even yes. the ones that are warming up and up and down the t- the touchline on the bench, and everyone seems to be fully fully immersed. What about celebrating by pointing at the badge? He yeah. he very like you know when he scored the second goal, he was like yeah. showing off the badge and. What more do you want from your players? You just want them to love the club and love the the vision and, and what we represent. Yeah, well, you could want them to be good as well, but we were lucky in that respect that they all are very, 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 very good players yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so, who's your finally? Who's your tip for the World Cup? Who do you think is going to win it? I, I would say Brazil. I think I'd say Brazil, but I think that's too obvious, um, which is why I said that there could be a dark horse somewhere. A Netherlands could sneak it in, and England could sneak it in. Um, I I heard what you said about Germany earlier on. I just don't think they have the players anymore. Germany had this beautiful golden era where they were producing mass talent, and right now, if I was to tell you that name me three world class players in Germany, you would you would have to go back to Bayern Munich and pick up half their squad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see Germany. Uh, progressing as far as we could. Even Spain, I think with the squad they have right now, maybe the next World Cup because it's still a process, you know. Luis Enrique is still trying to work something. So I think Brazil are the favourites. I'd like to see Netherlands uh, win it. They've never uh, won it yet. It would be nice to see that. Argentina is a good shout as well. I think Brazil and Argentina. I think this time it's going to South America. This time I think uh, the trophy is going to South America. What about you? Who's yeah, your money on? I think um, it's probably going to be out of France and Brazil. Oh, okay. But I, I do think that my dark horses are Germany. I just, ah. think they, I just think they always, always turn up for a major tournament. Uh, whether they look a bit poor to start off with, mm. I, I mean, they didn't in the last World Cup. Obviously, in Russia, they were terrible. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be like that again. Um, yeah. I really don't. I just think they, they pull it out from somewhere, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, Argentina, I think it's just... I don't think they've got enough good players anymore. Like they used yeah. to have. They, they could go far, but... Yeah, I can't look past France, Green Brazil, and, like I said, possibly a, possibly, uh, a Germany to go quite far. I, I'm 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 just dreading if if like it's it's bittersweet if Argentina win, uh, sweet because I'm a Messi fan. I'd like to see Messi win it because I think he is the greatest player in the world. Uh, a bitter because then we have a big quote from a certain Argentinian goalkeeper saying, "I have won the World Cup. I used to dream about this, but Arsenal sold me." And you'd be like, "Not again." 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, certain goalkeeper. Well, uh, certain he'll, goalkeeper. He'll blame us for not winning it. That's you see, it. again, I was just thinking. I was, I was waiting for a quotation. I was waiting for a quotation from him that would have said, um, "It was my dream to play for Arsenal. It was my dream to play under Unai Emery. But when Unai Emery came, I didn't get the chance. So now, when I moved to Aston Villa, and Unai Emery has come to Aston Villa, our dreams have come true." And I was waiting for that quotation because it had to be about Arsenal. Yeah, it had to be absolutely. Uh, well, it would be Emmy um, Martinez if it wasn't, would it, babe? Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day. Well, that's it then. Uh, we've done yeah, just over an hour. Fun. This was fun. Thank you, Andrew. This was yeah, no fun. problem. Well, we we're missed on, we miss George. We missed George, but this was fun. Yeah, exactly. So uh, thanks to George for joining us. I'm sorry that it didn't quite uh, work out te technically. Uh, fella, hopefully we'll see you again very soon. But yeah, thanks ever so much, Kunjan. And we'll have to get together you, during the World Cup at some point. Yeah, absolutely. maybe uh, maybe have a, like a, an Arsenal player watch or something yeah. along those lines. See That'd how they're getting idea. on. We'll have to uh, have a chat idea. about that offline. But uh, thank you to everyone in the chat, everyone that's come along. Stefan, Mr. Bungle, um, we had uh, Taib as well. Claire came in and everyone else that's been keeping us going. Thanks ever so much. Give Thanks. us a like before you leave, everyone. Uh, subscribe if you haven't done so already. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anyone else, give us a five-star review. That would be uh, absolutely fantastic. Help us get found by more Arsenal fans all over the world. So once again, thank you to everyone, and we'll look forward to seeing you again very, very soon. Take care and goodbye. Yeah. Thank you for listening to From Dial Square to Air. Please help us grow by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and following the show on your preferred podcast platform. Please also visit our Facebook page, our Twitch channel and of course our YouTube channel. And whilst you are there, please subscribe and hit the notification button so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Please also press the like button on the video so we can get recommended by YouTube to other Arsenal fans all around the world. See you soon.